0: You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology. Brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry.
1: Hello everyone. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. If you're like me, you're following the daily news on AI, artificial intelligence. Trying to understand what it all means as I read a lot of stuff about AI, I'm not sure what's true and I'm not sure what to do with it. So I called my good friend and colleague Judd Mackerel, see if he can help me and our audience understand what this means in the near term and as things unfold in the years ahead. Judd Mackerel has spent his career making technology and data more useful and accessible to financial advisors, their clients, and the firms we work with. has held senior positions at Orion. Carson Group. He is currently the co founder of MileMarker and general partner of Mammoth. Judd, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck, or I should say, welcome back to Wealth Tech on Deck. Jack, it's a pleasure. I really enjoy these times because selfishly I
0: just get to learn new stuff from you, and uh, it's always a great time. Much appreciated, Judd.
1: Thanks so much. Great to have you back on, and uh, it's uh, back at you. I, I learned from you and all of our guests, so good to have you on. So, Judd, let's start with you explaining. What you do at Mile Marker and Mammoth, just so we understand what you're up to these days and specifically around technology, data, helping advisors and clients have a better experience and better financial results.
0: Yeah. So in addition to kind of sitting on boards like LifeField and other companies, I really have built two companies that are uniquely positioned around problems that exist in our space. So the mile Marker company is really built around the connectivity that isn't there. You think that should be there as a wealth management company. And as you grow and become more advanced, as you have more financial advisors that you're fundamentally serving at the home office, you need more control over data, workflows, experiences, every day and that's fundamentally what mile marker helps do we've also started adding and layering in more services to meet you where you are like fractional chief data officer we put legitimate engineers that know your technology can help you get outcomes more quickly and we also added a charter offer that allows you to have a a guide to help run your back office the technology your billing your all your enhancements and workflows we legitimately put people in there to do that If we then turn a page to alternatives it's an equally messy some would say even more messy scenario for most wealth managers and it's also messy if you actually run a fund in working with connectivity there so where mammoth is uniquely built is to help build a bridge and build connectivity experientially and all the way through to fund accounting to due diligence to all the unique funds that are available for accredited and qualified types of opportunities. So that's what the Mammoth Company does. Uh, Our friend Steve is a part of that team and helping lead that forward. And we're so excited about putting technology in the hands of advisors and fund managers to make that really meaningful. So uh, every day
1: I just get to help move the ball forward, hopefully down the field a little bit and improve this industry. That's great. And you do, in fact. And you referred to Steve, our good friend in common, uh, Steve Zushin, uh, who's uh, Chief Revenue Officer of Mammoth. And then another name many of our listeners know, Kyle Van Pelt, who's heading up mile markers. So you've surrounded yourself with super smart folks that uh, have an eye on the future of our industry while they are making it happen today. So let's dig into this uh, topic of artificial intelligence, you really know a lot about the guts of our business and what it takes to operate more efficiently and effectively. Let's start by talking about what you think about AI. What is it and why should we care? Yeah. I mean, I think AI is just the next way to work. I
0: mean, it's, you know, we could build, put it on a platform or a pedestal and, you know, think it's the next best thing ever. And, and I think to some degrees it will redefine how work happens, but it is simply just an augmentation on everyday life. And I think as much as we can embrace that, it's going to simplify the way that we think about it. Obviously there are things like privacy concerns and things like that with how you prompt it, what you put in your prompts, things like that. But if you look at how it augments your life today, in large part, everything we're doing has AI somewhere running behind the scenes or soon we'll have AI running behind the scenes. For example, this podcast we're recording here, there's a transcript being automatically generated based on this. It's understanding things. It's actually going to calibrate, use algorithms to calibrate the video and audio when it uploads to the cloud at the, during the recording. There's things like that that are happening around us. And we, the best design, I think, you know, you'd see this too, Jack, is like the best design is a design you don't even notice. Mm-hmm. It's just happening. And I think that's what AI is allowing us to unlock in a more tangible way than we ever have before this time.
1: So help me understand, because as I read about AI, it sounds like there's all sorts of issues and problems and opportunities, and I have to say, as I read about it, I'm, I'm not sure what to trust, I'm not sure what to believe, I'm not sure how what's real and what's just someone writing about stuff they know a little bit about. So, what's your take? I know it's sort of in the background on so many things we're already doing. How is this going to be? How do you view it in the near term anyway? We'll talk about longer term in a bit. In the near term, how do you see it as a driver? Where are we headed with regard to that? What kind of listeners, many of whom are running parts of businesses or full businesses, are trying to figure out how to incorporate and make mm-hmm. it an important part of what they do?
0: We're kind of coming out of a time, if you think just inside the industry, we're coming out of this like blockchain hangover where everyone was told for the longest time that everything's going to run on blockchain and crypto is going to, we're going to tokenize the world. And when we look around, there's some things that came out of that, but most of us could not find a tangible element of that unless we actually, in our own personal spare time, dabble in some sort of tokenized thing. I do think there are things that will come of that. It's not like it's bad, but it created this massive hype cycle that has disillusioned us to further advancement. When I look at AI, it's a little bit different because it's more tangible. Uh, People send me my friend, Gary Bonner, just sent me a text this morning showing me some cool AI tool that he found. And like now all of us can we can tactically embrace different elements. We can experiment with different elements of AI that can augment our life and what we do. This morning, I was sending a a Loom video to one of my colleagues on a correction we're making on, on a digital property. And I use Loom. It records my video, 90 seconds or not even. And before I can even hit share link, I've done nothing but stop recording, go to my share my link. It has already taken what I said summarize it. It didn't just summarize it and transcribe it It actually created an outline so that if you don't want to, you don't care about what I said in the first 30 seconds of the video, you only care about the second half. It's actually tagged the back half of it. So you can index and target that specific part of the conversation.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I don't, I pay a hundred dollars a year for Loom. And it changes so much of how I work. Mm-hmm. That's one example of, of literally thousands of examples. Some of them are being built every day. Probably 100 plus new AI tools are introduced on product on every day. And as a technologist, I think there's great opportunities for us to study these things and think about what's good. If you have a FINRA relationship, you know, there's going to be all kinds of different things that are going to impede your ability to use these things. But if you can do that in a way that has a a framework that you go through to identify how can we actually tangibly use these things in our day-to-day, it's very achievable. But I think we all should have curiosity around this. We should all be looking to implement things that save us time and help us be better at, at what we actually are the best at in the world. I think that people, it should amplify our skills in a big way. It's kind of a ramble jack, but hopefully
1: that makes sense. Sure. So I think about some of the firms we work with that are looking at incorporating it. Morgan Stanley comes to mind because I think they were the original ChatGPT client or mm-hmm. affiliate or whatever they called it. And they were talking to them for a year prior to whenever it was announced, which was a few months ago. And you don't have the inside info, nor do I, but where do you see big firms like that or big RAAs or Asset managers, how do you envision, what's your take on how it's going to be deployed? What does that look like near term? And then we can start to talk about longer term in a bit, but Mm -hmm. I'm thinking there's time savings. I'm thinking there's the redundant stuff that can be handled quickly, but where does it start and where does it go in your view? Well, I think it's going to start with the
0: foundation of data. You're going to need to be able to have that accessible to an engine, to a, a learning language, And to really be able to start to uniquely look at it, to study it, to find opportunities and look at it. I mean, hedge funds have been doing stuff like this for quite a while. Now it's just starting to get more Main Street, even at Morgan Stanley's, not necessarily Main Street, but for this example, it kind of is. Like, how do we look at all the different things that they have there from all their different systems and look at that to where if I could have the world's smartest supercomputer, understand and analyze all this data, what would it tell me? And I think that through this whole process, a lot of things are gonna get automated, but not to replace jobs, but to like really help people get to that continually highest and best use. Your quants are still gonna do quant stuff. They're just gonna be telling the computers more and more deep levels of, of question to really understand and predict potential scenarios and outcomes and my belief is that through this, it's going to reveal a new 80-20. Okay. And the new 80-20 for somebody like a Morgan Stanley or a Merit Prize or like an insurance carrier that's dealing with a lot of different data and systems is that you're going to apply an AI across that and 80% of the work will be done in an automated fashion by the computer to then help you focus your 20% of your resources on articulating what to do with that data and the steps, the next best actions to do that. Because the use case inherently, because wealth management is inherently not scalable for a good reason, because each person's unique, each scenario is unique, each personality of that person is unique. We need to then be better and better guides that are more data informed because of the 80% work to really care and deeply deliver advice. So it's a really good opportunity in front of us. Yes, And I think the people that are going to win are the people that understand that sure. now and take the steps to get there.
1: Yeah. So this, uh, as we were doing this, having this conversation in mid, mid-August, uh, later this week, I'm speaking at a William Blair conference, Investment Bank, and convene venture capital, private equity, other investors to hear from up-and-coming technologies. We've been uh, included in this session around um, holistic planning is the topic that I'm on with uh, some other folks, names you know, Asset mark and they're planning to Voyant And there's a company called, I think it's called Metros, which I'm not familiar with. which is a family office kind of place. And then Hightower is also on the panel. And so we one of the questions, of course, uh, after we introduce ourselves and ask some basic questions about planning and holistic planning and all that is around the role of AI. And so I'll tell you what my answer is. sounds like it's consistent with what you're doing. I'd like to see how you see this playing out at the advisor level. And the way I placed it is that, first of all, to talk with a a client, you've got to really understand them and that AI will play a role. But it's a human being that it secures or engages the client. I don't think the client just will find the right AI spot and figure out what to do and Take it from there. I think an advisor, if anything, will become more important in this. And they'll use AI to then collect data information on that client where they don't have to. Yes, they should go through the typical questionnaire or whatever that becomes. But so much of that will be just what shows up as the name gets typed in. And then they refine their understanding. And then from there can make recommendations based on what they understand are important and objectives and so forth. So that's my sort of take on how this goes. They can give better advice. That's my mm-hmm. a rough uh, approximation of my advice that it, it will speed the process of understanding the client, but as complexity grows, as confusion grows at the client level, they're going to want to have someone who they can ask questions. Well, What does this mean? And what does that mean? And what if we did this? And then the advisor might bring up something they never even thought about, including. So your thoughts.
0: Well, I agree with you. And I think the thing that's going to really change here is the clients are going to expect you to use these sorts of tools to understand that. So if you are in any way kind of less than their proficiency on this sort of thing, you're going to be underserving them. Mm -hmm. Not intentionally, but there is a thing like once you know that you can do this stuff, you kind of have a, you have an obligation to now do it to now implement it. If you know that you can run an algorithm and find a better outcome or help save taxes or better steward the future of this relationship, now we have to do that. It is telling us like, maybe we're coming to them with three options. Like, hey, our internal team ran this. And then my advice <laughs> is this. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably where we're at. And I think it's just a matter of time before the firms are able to, like, practically implement this into their day-to-day.
1: Yeah, one of the things that strikes me is, is you know, we have this Legends series that we've, we've begun with people that have been around a long time, made important innovations way back when, and playing that out. One of those is a guy named Jim Seaford who with uh, Len Reinhardt started Lockwood Advisors first. Big time TAMP in our industry, going way back 20 years or more. Jim now is actually advising clients. He was at one time an advisor himself, is advising clients on issues that most advisors don't advise on. Insurance, disability, health care. Mm-hmm. And one sense, and I'd love your thoughts on this. One place I see happening is that as I read research and follow what's going on, consumers that are retired or soon to be retired or have questions about real estate where to live what they do with their health care and who can figure that out um, and all the different kind of questions that an advisor typically is not trained or but i could see using ai to get them on the right track or at least refer them to those that have expertise because the, yeah. the, a lot of the questions are there and I, my sense is that if you can help the client understand what they might do from a, just how they are going to go forward in their life the, in the next chapter in the latter part of their lives Who are they going to come back to? They're going to come back to the person that rendered the advice. But I love your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this is (laughs) adding value. And Fidelity has been saying this since 2017 or whenever it was, probably before that. But like the value stack of, of advice, this Maslowian pyramid is we should be meeting the base level needs of everybody. And wealth management will transform into life management. Yes, I was talking to my buddy, Tim Maurer, who's at Signature FD. And he's like, I don't know if, (laughs) I don't know if like, we're going to call these life coaches or, or something like that. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever met a life coach that you ever like want to talk about the fact that they're a life coach, the the branding's wrong right now. We have to figure (laughs) out existentially how to redefine this, but that's not the term. Yes. But there are definitely elements of that, that are the future. Yes. Uh, We are going to be thinking about this. We are going to be understanding like, Hey, look, tax ramifications, for you living in this state moving the state are x y and z yeah. and here let me let me figure out how to do this it used to be this stuff was kind of like i'd have to know a local expert to really understand it yeah. now the local expert is probably open ai yeah that understands this stuff but you can now understand as their advisor, the preferences of your client. Like my client chooses to live in a more expensive area because this is the lifestyle they want. Yes. I'm not going to put them in, you know, guide them down the wrong road that doesn't align with their taste, their personality or their lifestyle desires. So that's the kind of stuff that we're going to do. We're going to be thinking about like all my clients in, in the coasts of Florida or even here in the Carolinas. That are dealing with all kinds of different changes in their insurance because of storms and because of climate change and things like that. These are real things that they're going to talk to somebody about. They should probably talk to their advisor first because maybe you just know a guy, that sort of thing. Yep. But the reality is instead of knowing a guy, you're going to have probably a whole inventory of solutions that might be additive to that, even if it's through a third party. Yep. Probably will be a third party. But an integrated experience of delivering guidance, I think is probably in the near term future for for the whole wealth management industry.
1: And as these questions get answered and as knowledge accumulates or intelligence, AI intelligence accumulates, your decision, your information gets better. So as you're dealing with someone who's, you have clients that are considering moving to Florida, say, well, here's what I've learned as we've researched and examined what might happen. Here are things to be mindful of. That's useful information. Yep. So you may be moving there for tax purposes, but then your insurance rates are going to go up exponentially. And and the net, net is maybe different. I don't know. I made all that up, but yeah. you get the idea is that you're looking at it more comprehensively as opposed to just, well, you know, I have lots of friends that have moved to Florida because of taxes, but now they have other issues that you've just highlighted as an example. So yep. all part of the decision-making process as you sort that out and then get in issues of healthcare and children and Visits and all that stuff. Right. So, Joe, this has been great, as always. Love to talk to you about anything having to do with the the future of advice. We've had many conversations over many years. If you were to share three key takeaways, what would those be for our audience today? Well, I think that you need to make AI a
0: part of your work now. A part of your personal life and then a part of your work life. You know, I think that there's too much value that's being left on the just don't leave this out <laughs> it will enhance your curiosity it will enhance your understanding it will ultimately transform your client and probably your advisor experience mm-hmm. so i think that's one and then two is be making investments in the data that you have obviously i'm a buy bias, i've biased toward that but you should be making investments in the data that you have because you're going it's going to be foundational yep. to unlocking how this really comes to live in your reality mm-hmm. And then then I think finally, last thing I would say is that you have to be cognizant of what your clients are expecting. And this is kind of a, a you know a no-brainer to a lot of folks that are especially the, the advisors that are working hand to hand with their clients, but like the clients' expectations are changing. The second now I have the open AI, the ChatGPT app on my iPhone, and I can just voice ask a prompt and it gives me back the answer, mm-hmm. it shifts it in a big way because I can get extremely subjective. That would take me 10 minutes on Google. Now it takes me two seconds in open AI. And then it gives me something generally pretty tangible to work on. It's changing how things are done. And so we have to stay on top of it. We have to be really listening to how that's affecting the client experience so we can better design it. You know, it's a really good frontier. It's a great opportunity. We should be stoked about this stuff. But we should also be challenged by it Mm -hmm. and understand that this is going to change things. We can't just sit aside and and let it pass us by. We need to embrace it and we need to do better and better all the time because of it. And honestly, it's fun. (laughs) And I think that you can enjoy it too, because it's just like this, you know, thinking back to even my career is 20 years now, but like thinking back 20 years ago, how would this have transformed the work I did then? Mm -hmm. It would be dramatic. And then what will that mean for us going forward? Advancement of change is going to be great. And the opportunity that we're going to have to do better for people and ourselves, also great. So it's a good time to be doing what we're doing.
1: So we're finally going to make hyper-personalized real? (laughs) You know, that's
0: up to the ambition. That's up to the ambition of these organizations. And man, I hope that people get
1: excited about it because there's so much more value we can unlock for people. So, Judd, it's been a real pleasure to get caught up with you and spend this time together as always. And as we do at this point in our show, as we look to close up, uh, my favorite question we ask our guests, and you've been asked this before, maybe you'll have a new answer, we'll see. What do you do outside of work that you're excited or passionate about and people might find interesting or surprising? For me we have Kim my wife who's
0: in partner she's incredible she's just Indeed. really extremely talented at so many things and you know her well Indeed. yep she and I have four kids so a uh, 16 year old 14 year old 11 uh, year old and 9 year old two boys and two girls and we are we are just enjoying life with them evenings staying up late just being together it's a ton of joy for us going on adventures together that's me, and so when I think about time on the road now, I think about time away from that, and I don't, you know, I want to be with them, yeah. and I want to be uh, building life with our, our family, and and then also just making things better all the time. So, yeah. but that's it. College football season's coming up. It's mid-August when we're recording. That's coming up. That's my one of my favorite pastimes. So, all that's getting a little bit updated, I suppose. But it's a good time uh, to be looking
1: forward for sure. That's great. Terrific. As always. So thanks, Judd. That's wonderful. Great news. I know you you and the family took a trip to Europe. I enjoyed following it on social media. You guys, we had a blast, even though I wasn't with you. So uh, thank (laughs) you for sharing that. For our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, Judd, thanks so much. A real pleasure. Thank you, Jack.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech On Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.